0: George Welcome to my show, America. Can we talk? Today, we're going to talk about 2,000 mules. No doubt remains. Roe versus Wade, the future. The SCOTUS leak, Supreme Court leak. A lot of things, a lot of really good, thoughtful things. I really want to uh, plant in your mind on that. Uh, Durham, surrounding Hillary Clinton. I think I used a similar title a few days ago. He's really surrounding Hillary Clinton now, and I want to spend a little more time talking about that today. And finally, billions to Ukraine. And the disinformation war and of course i'll tell you why these stories matter to you stay tuned I am america. on america can we talk i talk about election integrity border security health care freedom america race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Hello again. Welcome to America Can We Talk? And to today's First Five, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. So last night, my husband and I went to see the movie, the Dinesh D'Souza film, 2,000 Mules. This film is based on the research done by Catherine Engelbrecht, who is a brilliant woman. I happen to know her, uh, just, just an extraordinary woman. Uh, and she was the founder of uh, this, what was first called King Street Patriots and then became True the Vote. She was the founder of that organization, and she went through a lot of struggles with her organization, kind of turned the tea, the Tea Party era when the federal government really, really cracked down on her and her husband and their businesses. I mean, they, the federal government, when they were done scorched earth attacking her and her organization, it was a really hard time. And if there's something I admire about her and, and many people involved in the fight to save America. It is they have steel spines and resourcefulness and resilience and they come back. And what her organization did, True the Vote did, was the research that was uncovered and played out in the film 2,000 Mules. I am saying Mules, M-U-L-E-S, and it was extraordinary. It was an extraordinary film. We watched it last night uh, in, a, in a theater. I think I mentioned to you that I was a little bit concerned that the um, tactic leftists have used sometimes is to buy out a theater when there's a film they don't want anyone to see, so everyone thinks it's sold out, and then they go to buy a ticket and they can't get one. I was concerned about that because this film, Two Thousand Mules, has a very limited release Monday, yesterday, and Wednesday, tomorrow. I mean, it'll be more places, but that was the first release. And as soon as it was announced in theaters all over Dallas, uh, the moment you'd hear about it, you'd get online, and get a ticket, and they were all gone. But good news was we got to the theater last night, and it was packed. These were actual people sitting there loving the film. In fact, it was so packed that we had to sit in one of those really, really close uh, seats in the front, so we got a really good view. I cannot urge you strongly enough to see this film. And among the many reasons I cannot urge you strongly enough to see this film is that you're not listening to anyone guessing, uh, hypothecating, accusing, making up stuff. You're watching the work her organization did in actually filming the conduct of of these people they call mules a mule was a play on the word that's often used at the southern border when mules are the people who you know mules are pack animals they can take a lot of uh, heavy load and, and walk and so mules at the southern border are people who are smuggling drugs over or human trafficking or, or some other contraband uh, that's a mule and so this is talking about mules is designating the 2,000 mules which is a tip-of-the-iceberg number, but the 2,000 mules, her organization uncovered, who engaged in a massive, massive election fraud. Massive election fraud. They literally, and they do the math in this film on the screen. I mean, you could try to deny it and say, well, I, I think maybe the numbers are wrong. You can't deny it. You can't deny what they have come up with. They have films of people. One of them I happen to notice, a guy drives up, driving a Mercedes, jumps out of the car, and they all wear gloves so their fingerprints are not on the mail-in ballots. What what they're depicting and telling you about is the idea that because the left convinced America to mail out millions and millions of unsolicited mail-in ballots last election cycle, and they went all over the country, and people would get them in their homes, get them other places, and they would be stolen out of the mailboxes, not really filled out by the person who's supposed to, or in whatever way the organizations, um, governmental NGOs, government organizations, also involved in collecting all these ballots, and so these, these mules would go to one of the ballot collection centers, pick up a stack of ballots to cast, and drive around and find one of the Zuckerbox drop boxes, and and they would literally. Because Catherine Engelbrecht was brilliant in doing this, they were being filmed. They get out of their car as I say, one guy in a Mercedes. He's wealthy enough to afford a Mercedes, but he but he's going to break the law for whatever they were getting. You know, 100. They're getting like $25 a ballot, whatever It was $5 a ballot. Get out of the car, you know, and drop stuff, 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 stuff. The ballots in these ballot boxes. This election in the year 2020 was stolen. There is no doubt. And if you and I will tell you that what we saw last night overwhelming proof of this, which should be considered an actual conspiracy, an actual possible prosecution as a conspiracy. That should be what the uh, government is looking into with respect to 2020 election and not whether people say things that maybe don't sound, that that are calling into doubt the 2020 election. Anyway, the film was fabulous. I'm going to close out the first five by asking my new producer, Mr. Emilio, to play a little clip. The, uh, this is the uh, trailer for 2,000 Mules. Again, can't urge you strong enough to watch it. Let's play that. They're, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Let me say it again. The 2020 election was the most secure election in American history. Let me begin by asking a very simple question. Do we know the truth about what really happened in the 2020 election? I think millions of Americans know something went wrong, and they have little pieces, and no one's really put it together. I'm agnostic on this question, and I, I am awaiting more information. If I believed the president were a Nazi, I might steal an election. Bold accusations require bold evidence, and they haven't seen it. We have been working on something big. Show me the money. Can we meet? I've been working with Greg Phillips. He has a deep background in election intelligence. That's Catherine Engelbrecht. I I probably, I did, I I just asked um, Emilio to get a hold of this clip. I realized it's a longer clip. This is the longer version. I probably shouldn't play the whole thing. Cannot urge you strongly enough. It is really, is not the kind of thing you, that takes too long, is drawn out. You're you're at the edge of your seat realizing this is what somebody or many somebody's did to America. Let me say this one last thing, wrapping up the first five. This isn't even the worst part of what those who stole the 2020 election did. I mentioned to you I was a a speaker on this past Saturday at a wonderful program that was called Election Transparency. And there, there was evidence presented of the massive, unseen, electronic election fraud, uh, uh, irrefutable. And so you have these mule types who went to all of these, the, the big swing states worked in the dark of the night picking up stolen or pilfered or invalid mail-in ballots, picked them up from the headquarters they're supposed to go to, drove around town, dropped them in these ballot boxes overnight, always taking their gloves off afterwards. So they left no fingerprints on the, on the ballots, and they dropped the gloves off and in the trash. And that wasn't even the worst part of it. There, on top of all of that, there was so much more fraud that was done electronically. And so here we are, and I'm going to tell you folks how astonishing it is to think about this fact. I do a lot of research to do this show. I read a lot, and, and I, you know, I read sources that aren't friendly to conservatives, because you want to know what they're thinking. I am telling you that in the sources you read still today, I, I'm talking about all, obviously, the usual left wing culprits, Washington Post, New York Times, et cetera, But major, major, major news outlets in every story in which any aspect of election integrity is discussed, very near the beginning of the story, somewhere they say, well, in the uh, now disproven, debunked conspiracy theory, far-right conspiracy theory, that's how they describe election fraud. And they continue to do that. Now, I don't know if these outlets are going to send someone to watch this movie, but if you think, if they think there can't put their arms around or can't understand the electronic election fraud because it's maybe takes a little bit of cyber wisdom. You watch this movie, you cannot leave this movie and think, well, that's probably not true. There's no doubt it's on film. So here we sit. We are now in early May of 2022. We are literally living under an administration that did not win. There's another word for that. It's like we're occupied by an administration, a government that is going out of their way to harm America, and that's on my next segment we're going to hit on this, but out of the way to harm America. And we're living under that. And and now, millions of Americans know that this administration did not win the election. So the question is, what do the American people do? Do we have the bravery? I mean, as I started out by telling you the first five, Catherine Engelbrecht should get, I I mean, she should be in a museum someday, or in history books. Someone who stood up, Bravely, and I'm telling you, she got mocked, ridiculed, etc., and she stood up. We need millions more to be Catherine Engelbrechts, to be Dinesh D'Souza's, stand up and insist on election fraud being exposed, and end all of the methods by which you can possibly commit this this scope and and fraud. Demand prosecution of everyone you can find who is involved in it, and make a, make a way forward for America to get back to being America that is truly governed is truly ruled with the consent of the governed because the people have fair elections. More on this later, but for now, that, my very fine friends, is today's first 5. One more thing about Catherine Engelbrecht. I, I just love that lady. Uh, one thing she um, talked about, uh, and she did an interview, I think on Bannon or something. Uh, she was talking about the idea um, that they had this evidence. She, her organization, had this evidence, and this is one example. They, because I want to make clear, this is not a partisan thing. I mean, Biden didn't win, and Trump did, and, and that's what happened in, in 2020. But she, Kathy Engelbrecht, brought her evidence, and this is not like a, a hint or maybe I think this happened. This is proof, video proof, showing them what happened to both Georgia Governor Kemp, with an R by his name, Republican, and Secretary of State Raffensperger. And she showed them what happened. She showed them, look what's happening. And they, she says in this interview with Bannon that they, the Georgia, both the governor and the secretary of state, covered up the evidence of voter fraud. She brought it to them. She showed it to them. She showed them the geospatial phone, cell phone data, the video surveillance to capture illegal, the illegal ballot harvesting. She showed it to them. She talked about them. Um, she brought it to the uh, Georgia Bureau of Investigation. And as she says, they spent the next seven months covering it up. And I want you to understand how significant this is. This is not a partisan issue. If you are a diehard Democrat and you'd like Biden to be president for the rest of your life, you still should want to fix this issue. Because if whoever orchestrated all of this last time and gets away with it, which apparently so far they are, then... Who, you know, the other side can do it to you. The, whoever has control, who's ever willing to cheat, willing to lie, willing to engage in this kind of massive conspiracy, either side can do it. And we, the American people, we're the only ones who can fix it, the only ones who can expose it. I did link to an article, I think I linked to it, say, on our website, Uh This is an article of Catherine Engelbert talking about what she did um, in, in exposing this to Governor Kemp. Uh, and Secretary of State Raffensperger, she's even saying now that what those two are doing, um, you know, they, they're all of a sudden, oh, yeah, we're really in it. We're really investigating. She's saying, no, it's a half-hearted afterthought because they're being forced to admit there's a problem and they want to do a pretend investigation. She's not yet convinced they're doing anything serious. OK, I wanted to wrap that up because this is profoundly important, this, this 2000 Mules um, film. And as a great segue to that, I'll say so there was big news, obviously, out of Washington yesterday that somebody at the United States Supreme Court leaked to Politico, a left-wing, you know, hard-left political outlet, leaked to them a draft of the opinion that the United States Supreme Court justices, the nine justices, are apparently looking at to decide... Uh, you know, this case that is pending before them, which is the Dobbs case, D-O-B-B-S-Dobbs, and the Dobbs case is going to essentially decide whether or not the question squarely presented should Roe versus Wade be overturned. So there's a draft opinion floating around, and I want to tell you something tied back to our first subject. The draft opinion is dated in February, so the justices hear arguments, they hear cases, they, they or their clerks write uh, draft opinions, they float them around, they see where they can find common ground, they meet. It's a process to get to an issued Supreme Court decision. So what was leaked out of the Supreme Court by somebody, there's a wide suspicion someone on Sotomayor's candid- uh, um, office, uh, clerk in her office, uh, she would be one who would want Roe versus Wade to stay in place. But in any case, uh, apparently, uh, or allegations are there's a clerk in her office who had some friend at Politico, and she uh, re- released this, uh, this draft opinion. And so fortunately at least today, uh, Chief Justice uh, Roberts did uh, announce that number one, yeah, yes, it's a legitimate draft, but you know this is outrageous, unacceptable. We we're launching an investigation and this interferes with the court uh, doing its job a- as a- the court is supposed to do when you have um, the leaked opinions going on as this did. This is unprecedented. Actually, I think I read some of those some of the time it happened once. But I just want to hit a couple of things about Roe versus Wade and kind of the broader picture of where we are in America. So the day after a film, 2,000 Mules, dispositively, I mean, it's, it is disposes of the issue, massive election fraud occurred in 2020. The day after when you think many headlines might be talking about that, all the headlines are focused now on this Supreme Court brief. So suspicious timing when it was released, my first point. Second point is, my first reaction was, you know, this is probably some really liberal clerk for one of the Supreme Court justices who is just outraged that they might overturn Roe v. Wade, which is obviously the opinion that found that there was a constitutional right to an abortion, that therefore states couldn't limit abortion. So. So that was my first suspicion, okay, so some clerk just is trying to stir up trouble, maybe get a little protest going, maybe put pressure on some of the extremely wobbly justices who hardly ever, even though they're considered to be, they were appointed by Republicans and are considered to be more conservative and people who are more consistently willing to follow the Constitution, maybe that this this release of this draft opinion was just designed to push them uh, to make them afraid to stand up and reverse Ro- and reverse Roe versus Wade. I mean, these justices are human beings, and at least a couple of them—Amy Coney Barrett and Kavanaugh—went through horrific confirmation hearings with a loopy left just out of their minds trying to attack them. So that was my first suspicion. Okay, just some some ju- some uh, clerk trying to put pressure on the wobbly uh, conservative justices. But actually there's a lot deeper deeper concerns um, about why this would have been done. And it kind of ties into something I want to remind you about again, because we'll get more into this in the rest of the show. If any neutral observer, uh, if, if a Martian came down to the earth and saw America and saw what's happening to America in the time since Biden has been president you would conclude without question, oh, this is a guy who's trying to destroy the country. There are, of the litany of things I will again give you, you understand that the way the Biden team is conducting this presidency, and it's not really Biden because he's barely mentally there, but whoever's running it, you know, whether it's Obama and Soros and whoever, Valerie Jarrett, all these people, this is an administration who is doing everything The opposite of what you would do if you wanted to defend America, if you wanted to stand up for America. This is a wrecking operation. The Biden administration is a wrecking operation intentionally harming America. Because they want to fundamentally transform America, in the way that Obama put it, away from a country based and rooted in our founding promise of individual liberty and rights from God and, and all the rights guaranteed to us, a country rooted in freedom and free markets and capitalism to a country more controlled by the World Economic Forum globalist types, by people who don't like human freedom, who fi- gets in the way of their plans. And if, I'll give you the very short list. I need to make a little flyer about this. Just, but My very short list of things the Biden team is doing, which leave any reasonable observer, Martian or Earthling, if you're willing to be fair and think, to recognize their agenda is to harm America. Their agenda is to harm America. So you would, if you're a the Biden team, utterly abandoning the southern border that all by itself you know if you could leave that one piece alone that's enough to prove that the biden administration is not about defending and preserving the sovereignty of america abandoning the southern border we have another clip coming up from dhs i um, secretary mayorkas a little later in the show they are utterly preparing for an invasion not trying to stop the invasion not trying to stop people they're trying to say la come on in we'll make sure we' make sure you're really comfortable and we give you everything you need this is these people have a ban on the border no one does that when you love a country no one does that on top of that border is enough all by itself as fat, as you know proof bound reasonable doubt the Biden team is trying to harm and destroy America but then you take a look at the way they're treating energy. We had the Biden team is working as hard as they can, as fast as they can, to shut down energy production in America, releasing our strategic oil reserve, uh, emergency reserve, uh, because we're not producing enough energy, driving energy costs up. Now they're shutting down energy production uh, in Alaska. And at the same time, they are enabling the uh, release of our, our energy, sale of our oil resources over to Europe because they're having problems. This is a country, this is a, a determined effort to destroy the energy industry. And ultimately, when the energy industry goes soft and people cannot use, can't purchase sufficient energy at reasonable prices, they can't travel, they can't live comfortably in their homes, they are weakened and they're at the mercy of the government, and this is what the Biden team is doing. With the military, we've had on the show Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer describing the military has become a playground for left-wing, loopy CRT, uh, LGBTQ activism instead of becoming a, becoming and continuing to be the fighting force that we need it to be to defend America. Utter evisceration and, and emasculation of America's military. You have COVID. What goes on with COVID has, from the time the Biden uh, team took office, just utterly destroying the, uh, the heartland jobs, freedom that what they tried to do they're still trying to do if they could get away with it vaccine passports they're now talking about smart passes it's destroying america's freedom it destroyed uh, thousands and thousands of businesses through the unnecessary shutdowns the mandating of covid uh, vaccinations for people who don't want them the attempt to threaten and and with the federal level uh threatening federal employees you have to get a vaccine that you don't want it has a terrible track record these are not things you do when you're the president and you love America, and you love freedom, and you respect the right of the people of America to live in freedom. You wouldn't do any of these things. I could, uh, Spending, to, uh, just spending out the wazoo, it, we'll get to more of that a little later today. Irrational spending, spending that is out of control, irrational, not tied to anything, more and more COVID payments, more whatever they can find as an excuse to spend money they don't have, drive us deeper into debt, and, and, and still try to somehow get the American people behind them saying, oh, we're just trying to solve problems. These people are trying to destroy the country. And I actually think for the first time, more and more Americans are waking up to realize the Biden administration is not on the side of the American people. And when you have the Biden team, the DHS, actually announcing that we're going to call you a domestic terrorist, If you think of questioning the 2020 election, which everyone with a brain is questioning, the 2020 election, or if you question the government's policy on COVID and COVID vaccines, you might be a terrorist. This is unprecedented suppression of a basic fundamental First Amendment right to the freedom of speech. And the Biden administration rolls on and rolls on and rolls on and does all this. So back to Roe, the idea of having yet another disrupting event in america so you saw right away uh, the roe versus wade the draft decision the dobbs case that, that is appearing they have a majority appears uh, to overturn roe versus wade uh, was floated around and, and within hours they had to put barricades up around the supreme court they had protesters there many with pre-printed signs kind of makes you wonder if somebody had heads up Actually, Senator Josh Hawley is, put, is tweeting out, questioning Did the White House get noticed of this ahead of time? Did they realize that someone was going to leak a draft opinion on the Supreme Court? I mean, this is another chaos, intentionally chaos inducing act. So now you have the Ardent supporters of Roe v. Wade outside the Supreme Court, the ardent opponents of Roe v. Wade. You can see a pattern. Maybe we're going to start on the path like we did uh, in 2020 with uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter and other radical leftist groups tearing down America's cities. I mean, you, you should put nothing past the left in their effort to hold on to power. Now, on a, on a minor or a different note, more focused narrowly on Roe v. Wade, there are people who think, and I actually think this is true too, I think that given the litany of horrors the Biden administration is inflicting on America, and I could have given you more, we have a supply chain, we have food shortages coming, we have you know uh, energy prices soaring, we, we, I mean, everything the Biden administration is doing, I think the Democrats are looking for something that might galvanize some voters they might otherwise be losing. And I can see them thinking, you know, we might still be able to get those whites, women, suburban voters if we make abortion a big issue again in the 2022 midterms. I actually think that if you're a Democrat strategist, that makes a little bit of sense. They think, well, you know, we, we uh, everyone, I mean, the, the American people are out of their minds with anger at the Democrat administration for abandoning the border and imposing on our freedom and taking away our freedom under COVID and make, and doing nothing to fix this massive inflation, inflationary um, rise and the cost of gasoline, uh, energy, everything they're doing designed to destroy America. But I can bet you some Democrats are just thinking, you know, we still, we can probably get those white women suburban voters if we go back and make and to threaten that abortion, the right to abortion will be taken away. So to be very clear. I want to say a couple of points about that. I think that polling has shifted in terms of how strongly the women's vote would just be driven exclusively by the, the abortion issue. I think there, was, there, there were times when it seemed to have galvanized a very significant maybe plurality of the uh, women voters, but I think several things have changed since then. And I, I think it's a wrong gamble on their part, but I do think, I do think. Nothing the left does, nothing they do is accidental, is coincidental, they're always on a mission, they always have a plan, they always have an agenda. The release of this opinion, uh, this draft opinion at this time, is designed to do something political, create chaos. Sure, Democrats benefit from chaos, uh, cause concern about the 2022 elections, maybe people will get behind them. But I want to share a couple of data points that are really pretty interesting um, about abortion um, that I think the Democrats may have misread the situation. One is there's polling um, among millennials and Gen Z. I'm, I'm sorry, one more very quick point. If Roe versus Wade is reversed, all that it will be doing is sending the question of the legality of abortion, of whether there are limits on abortion, back to the state legislatures. And in this draft opinion that was leaked, which I read a portion of. I didn't read the whole thing. It's pretty long, but I read a portion. They're talking about the idea, even as you read Roe versus Wade, it sounds like what a legislature would do. It sounds like a legislative you know, through the process of negotiating a legislative answer, where they say in the first trimester uh, this is the law, second trimester this is the law, third trimester this is legislative action. That's one of the things the court says. But if Roe versus Wade is reversed, all that means is the abortion question goes back to state legislatures, where it always should have been to start with. There is nothing even close to justification in the Constitution for the Roe versus Wade decision. Nothing. It was just one of those issues the left wanted to get done and they recognized they just if you could get the supreme court to rule that way you kind of circumvent the whole effort of the left to convince legislatures in all the states to do this so it was a it was a legislative decision had no place in the supreme court and that all that would mean to go back to the states but here's an interesting polling very quickly millennials and gen z a polling shows that there a majority of them, eight in ten, eight in ten of millennials and Gen Z say they'd rather have the abortion decision be resolved in the state legislatures. They get this. They get it. has no, there's nothing. There's a free speech right in the Constitution. There's a freedom of religion. There's not a freedom to kill your unborn child in the Constitution. And you know what another really political thing that's just gonna be very useful and if we're going to have this be a big issue this year, is the left has spent the entire, entire time since Roe versus Wade defending the decision about abortion by saying, my body, my choice, my body, my choice. And, of course, the opponents are saying, well, actually, it's the unborn baby that you're carrying that we're talking about here. But all of a sudden, when my body, my choice was used by conservatives who wanted the right to get a, a COVID vaccination or to not get a COVID vaccination, all of a sudden the left one, nothing to do with this, my body, my choice thing. I'm I'm watching the clock here to say, I know if you're listening on radio, I want to be sure you know you're listening to America Can We Talk. You can find our show at americacanwetalk.org. You're going to go off to a break at the bottom of the hour, a three-minute break. Come back after the break. A whole other half an hour of great stuff is coming. uh, And you're listening again to Debbie Georgiatis, America Can We Talk. And you can listen to the show on the website, americacanwetalk.org. Okay, everybody else, I want to continue on this, this Roe versus Wade thing. I think that... In addition to the um, fact that the bills, the issue would go to state legislatures, a lot has changed in time since the Roe v. Wade decision occurred, one being now the far more easy access to birth control. That was one argument that people had back in the time Roe v. Wade that they didn't really have sufficient access to birth control. Well, now it's, you know, if if that is your choice or that's your reason, uh, yeah, there is plenty of access to birth control. Um, Actually, there's... um, and I'm going with this millennials and Gen Z thing. It's most interesting. Three out of four millennials and Gen Z want limits on some limits on abortion. They do not think it should be an absolute right. Uh, four in ten favoring either no abortion at all or abortion limited to the exceptions of race, incest, or save the life of the mother. And that's part of what's changed since Roe v. Wade was uh, handed down to the Supreme Court. Is that there have been fabulous organizations in this country putting out information that really wasn't known and making the point, making the advocacy for life and for the the precious idea of life, helping uh, young millennials and and everyone to understand that very, very early on this uh, cluster of cells that people used to call it, it actually has a heartbeat. It actually responds to pain. It responds to his mother's voice. I mean, the the research now known about babies and how quickly they developed in, in the mother's womb has caused more people to recognize abortion is a harder question that it shouldn't be just subject to the Supreme Court broad sweep and, and you know something else about the Supreme Court thing I'm going to get on my next topic I swear but something else about this whole Roe versus Wade thing it really warrants consideration The United States Supreme Court is obviously the highest level of the three branches of government of the judicial branch so they are the highest level judicial branch and we you know we have three branches defined in the Constitution. Three branches, legislative, elected bodies like Congress and Senate, executive, which is the president at the head, and then all of the federal agencies and the massive bureaucracy, and then the judiciary. Well, there's been a long conversation uh, and uh, more conversation recently about the idea that the the Constitution doesn't actually say that once the highest level of the judicial branch, the Supreme Court, issues a decision that the other two branches just have to go hands up well okay that's what they said and i think it's like a really it's an important point in this context because what you're really looking at is nine justices at the time roe versus wade was was handed down nine justices replacing their judgment and and to be clear unelected justices nobody gets i mean the united states senate gets to confirm them once they're nominated by the administration but no one's ever electing those justices. So nine unelected justices making policy on of the most tender, complex, profound issues instead of those decisions being made by legislators, legislatures in the 50 states who all have are comprised of elected officials who are voted on by the people. This is a, a means of bringing the power back to the people and saying on an issues so profound This should be decided by the legislature and not by uh, nine justices, unaccountable justices. There's a lot more polling, but things have changed in the way how America sees this. I don't know how Roe v. Wade is going to go, but Justice Roberts' announcement today that he's launching an investigation as to who leaked this draft opinion, uh, it did did use the term, uh, it validated, he acknowledged that it was right, that this wasn't just... Something someone made up and wrote. That actually, what got circulated on um, political was was a supreme was a draft um, by apparently Justice Alito. But um, it's a very it's an important topic to watch. And I think it allows going back to the states allows the people of this country to have a more direct say at kind of like you know consent of the governed. And it takes away the notion which was out of, concocted out of whole cloth by the, the Roe versus Wade court that you have a right to an abortion. And I, it, what I tell you, that concept of rights versus freedoms and choices really matters. You do have a right in the Constitution to freedom of speech and freedom of religion and freedom of assembly and a whole bunch of other rights. But the word right gets thrown around. I have a right to, this is my right, is thrown around by the Marxist left to infuse people with, uh, with um, outrage and, and, and fervor to make demands. And so, for example, you'll hear people in the whole Obamacare debate, back when they were passing Obamacare, I have a right to health care. No, you actually don't. You don't have a right to health care. You have a responsibility to find access to health care in your life, To take care of yourself, you have responsibility, and maybe we as a society, as we should, and we do, and we should, provide access to health care for low-income Americans. We don't want people to be without health care, but you don't have a right to health care. You don't have a right to housing. You don't have a right to a job. You have the right to live in freedom and pursue your needs under our system, which has provided immense uh, prosperity and freedom to generations of Americans since the time of our founding but this right idea I have a right to an abortion was a whole cloth concocted idea out of that Supreme Court that truly truly misused they 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 uh, I't know what the word they, they destroyed the idea of real freedom uh, of real rights when they started to say they have a right to an abortion and I have to tell you folks I think the legislatures in this country, We'll come to different conclusions. And that is exactly how our process is supposed to work. And I think more informed people will become involved in the process as they're running for state office, state house, state senate. They will all be involved in the discussion. And this will be the more robust conversation that America is supposed to have as we create uh, the issues uh, and we solve the issues around us. OK, so I want to hear another story. Durham surrounding Hillary Clinton. And I want to make this point. I, I tried talking about this the other day. I wanted to understand to what lengths. You you might forget this, but I'll remind you. Uh, Hillary Clinton, she is actually a lawyer. I mean, she's, you know, and and so is Bill Clinton. So they sometime went to law school, and sometime, even if they didn't pay that much attention uh, in law school, they did actually learn the idea of what constitutes an attorney-client privilege. And that means if, and I'm an attorney by background, to be really clear, I went to law school back east. I got admitted to the bar in Washington, D.C. I went to law school into California. I am not licensed in Texas. I never pursued getting licensed in Texas because by the time we moved here, I was a happy stay-at-home mom. I just, I'm, so I'm just, that's all, my, but I, I'm a lawyer by training, by background, and by practice, although I don't practice here in Texas. So back to Hillary and Bill, they know and every lawyer understands the attorney-client privilege attaches to communications between the attorney and the client. That's what the privilege is, and the privilege means that, and it's a very good reason that it is there because it is what, when you go to your attorney and you need to tell him or her, you know, I have this huge legal problem, I have a criminal charge against me, I have a civil litigation, I want to file or I'm being sued, you need to be able to open up to your attorney entirely completely and with total confidence. That's the reason for the privilege, that you don't go to your attorney thinking, well, I I better not tell him blah, 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 because he might repeat it. And it is a sacred, sacred thing. Attorney client privilege matters. It makes our justice system work. It's vital in our justice system. But it doesn't attach, it goes away when, for example, if you send out, if if your attorney writes back to you and says, hey, you know, uh, blah, 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 here's my opinion, if they put it in writing, and you forward that to somebody else, or you have a meeting with your attorney and you have seven other people in the room who are not clients or not you. I mean, it's it's a very narrow, specific privilege, attorney and client. So, okay, so I wanna lay that groundwork to say what Hillary Clinton tried to do. in this uh, stunt uh, with respect to asserting and trading client privilege, has to do with her work when she was running for president, and she, Hillary Clinton, and the DNC involved also, they, I'm just going what I want to get at is, she, Hillary Clinton, cooked up the entire Trump-Russia collusion hoax. Cooked it up out of whole cloth. It is, this is a fact. Everyone understands this now. So Hillary Clinton gets Christopher Steele and Michael Sussman, the two of them, they approach the FBI in September 2016 with dirt. They have infused, they have basically, they're trying to cook up the Russia collusion probe. So at the same time, this Fusion GPS executive, Fusion GPS being not a law firm, but a smear campaign company. It's really what they do. They smear people. I mean, People go to them and hire them so they can smear people. So and that's what she was trying to do: find something on Donald Trump. So Hillary hires Fusion, and then so uh, Christopher Steele, Michael Sussman approach the FBI. They say, "Oh, we have this amazing stuff. This from the Trump-Russia collusion uh, probe, which they themselves have cooked up." So a little later, the, a Fusion GPS executive writes to reporters at the New York Times and says, "Hey, gents, gents, good to see you yesterday." Sound like you might be interested in some of the attached Russia, re- attached Russia-related material. These are internal open-source research drafts, as agreed. Please treat this as background, not for attribution. As, as you'll see, it's all easily replicated anyway. This little missive it goes on to say, um, invitation and what he's trying to get them to do. These this Hillary campaign people trying to get New York Times to further smear Trump. So they also say, um, he goes on to say, I can also send you a, a you know, name deleted Toronto memo once I dig it out. Um, I believe you guys have done that. I'll leave it to distribute internally, blah, blah, blah. This mess- missive, this letter is including everything that now Sussman being prosecuted is trying to assert the attorney-client privilege over. Stuff he sent or his team sent to the New York Times. And so, you know, Hillary Clinton... She said, you know, having none of it. I mean, she's what's happened was Hillary is now very worried because, I mean, you know, because listen to my show, informed people know, but the world's gonna see more and more clearly how completely corrupt she is. So when the this special prosecutor Durham put in place by Bill Barr to try to get to the roots, how did this entire entire hoax Of a Trump Russia collusion, how to get started? What the heck happened here? This is why Barr appointed Durham to figure out. I mean, everyone finally figures out because you have Mueller telling the entire world after two and a half years of investigation hey, nothing to it. There's absolutely no evidence of Trump Russia collusion. So Barr appointed Durham, says, you know, can you figure out how this happened? So Durham, um, he's actually talking about wanting to uh, reject the Clinton campaign's uh, claim that the Steel dossier and other research should be shielded from public view at an upcoming trial because it's covered by attorney-client privilege. I, I mean, all, all I'm telling you, I, I could go on and on. I just want to make the point. She knows. Bill Clinton knows. Sussman knows. Everyone involved understands there's no privilege. There's no attorney-client privilege attached. But how Hillary is used to functioning... In America, Hillary is, functions at all times above the law. She always has. When she was running in 2016, I used to regale you with all of the incredible, incredible litany of conduct she's engaged in, anyone else would be prosecuted for, her, and she walks away she walks away. In fact, that's where uh when she was there in the White House when uh, Bill Clinton was still there, it was a president and she was around and they had a um, they had one of the many scandals that came up during his presidency and the movement that they created at that time was moveon.org and that was the mantra that her team used. Whatever they would have a, an incredible corru- corruption uncovered one day in the news and the next day the messaging for the media was Oh my gosh! Can you please move on? That's where MoveOn.org came from. Her and her ilk just deciding—you know—we just we just move on from things. We, We've—I know we're accused, and I know we haven't proven that we didn't do it, and I know we look really terrible. But if everyone in the media would say, "Oh yeah, move on," and, and then we do, and then no one ever covers it again. In fact, if she's going to be back in the news apparently she is, I may dig up and run through the litany of astonishing things she has managed to escape liability for. No, you know, no flies on her. But this Durham, I have no idea. I I really am shocked by how diligent he's being in pushing this. But Durham apparently is having none of it. He is not going to let Hillary try. And what happened, by the way, so, you know, he's, Durham's, Durham is doing the, uh, investigating the prosecuting. He's going after Sussman, this attorney, and Hillary... uh, uh, asked for and was given permission to uh, join as a or to file a brief, essentially trying to protect all this garbage she caused to be created, and she's saying, "Hey, wait, wait, wait that's attorney clan privilege," and she knows it's not. Everyone else involved, they all know, but this is a now. Maybe I shouldn't say it's a last-ditch effort. It's a current effort to get her. Everything about her protected away from the public eye. Uh, And, you know, the other question I said the other day, and I'm going to say it again before I turn my last topic, I think Michael Sussman is a great candidate to be someone who would turn on Hillary, the DNC, Perkins Coie, Fusion GPS. He, this attorney being prosecuted, I'm going to guess, knows pretty much everything, including including what happened with the DNC server. He may likely know about that. He could be a fount of information. And if he would say, you know what, I'll tell you all about it. I mean, I'm hoping that Durham is in negotiations or hinting with him about being in negotiations because Sussman would be a great one to turn expose this whole cabal. And one more point I want to make about this before I turn my last story. So what Hillary managed to do in 2016 by cooking up this farce of Trump-Russia collusion, where she began to turn in the hearts and minds of the American people that Russia is our deepest, most horrible uh, enemy. They, they are, they are, you know, they. she tried to say, and she still says that the Russians stole the election for Trump, even though all the evidence has shown. The Russians didn't do anything. I mean, they did a, a silly little, you know, took out some Facebook ads, nothing of consequence. And she still tries to say, but what Hillary succeeded in doing is planting in the minds of ignorant people who don't follow the news. Well, I don't know, but Russia, they were really bad in 2016. I don't know, I think they're really bad. So now you get to where we are now with this battle, with this war between Ukraine and Russia, and you have the American people with this uh, you know, kind of in the knee-jerk in the back of their minds, well, Russia, they, they did something really, really bad. They probably are our enemy. Now, I want to be clear. Russia's not our friend. Putin's not our friend. And neither, and, and Putin would be militarily aggressive if he were permitted. I mean, he's going after Ukraine now. I don't know what else he has in mind. But Hillary and the left have benefited from this loopy effort to depict Russia as the evil of all evil. And then, because they've done that, and it's going to segue nicely to our last story, which has to do with the uh, Ukraine and all of that, but they've made America soften to the idea that we should be all out helping Ukraine because after all, Russia is the most evil. Russia is wrong to invade. I am sorry for the Ukrainian people. Ukraine, the people are innocent. The government, the money laundering filth that goes on there, almost unspeakable and mo- mostly to the benefit of the leftists in this country who's. Adult children make money out of all the money laundering happening in the Ukraine. Happens to be, oh, sh- shockingly, you know, Hunter Biden. Uh, Romney's son, so it's not all uh, Democrats, although he's really kind of a Democrat. Pelosi's son, a bunch of these, John Kerry's son, a bunch of these people making money off la- of money laundering sc- uh, deal in Ukraine. And Hillary, this all got, Hillary got a lot of that just knee-jerk anti-Russian thought going. Back in 2016, before I get to my last story, and I know I don't have a lot of time, but I want to very quickly make a couple of pitches if you're listening to this show. First of all, if you're listening online, I thank you for doing that. Anyone watching, please know you can watch this show on my website. And the reason I encourage you to do that is in case the the big tech censors uh, decide to get surly with me, you can always watch our show at our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. I urge you to watch it there. Number two, go to our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org, and do three things. One, subscribe to our weekly newsletter. It's a -a once-a-week newsletter full of great information, great way to share the show, great way to catch up on the weekend. And just hit subscribe. It is free. It comes once a week. Not any more often ever. And I never share the list with anyone. Don't share, don't sell. It's just between us. Number two at that website, I urge you to join America Can We Talk. There's a members tab across the top, and you click on that, and for a mere $50 a year, 5 you can become a member of America Can We Talk. This will entitle you to discounted tickets at our fall summit, which is shaping up so beautifully I can hardly even tell you, um, and you get discounts on the products we'll have soon coming out our website. So, pl- and Actually, the main reason to join is to support this show. It's a listener-supported show. I really love if you do that, and if you really appreciate this show and you understand, and the fight we're in to have honest journalism like I bring you every day, honest journalism, I urge you to make consider making a larger donation. You can. On the homepage, hit Donate. This show is a listener-supported show. A listener-supported show. It's people listening, sending in, saying, th- and thanking uh, really, thanking me, but thanking the whole team here for making this show possible. So I urge you to do all that. Two last things you want to support this show. Uh, one has to do with a product that I can wholeheartedly recommend there's a beverage i drink every morning i learned about this from my doctor friend when i called him after my husband and i had the flu we were both kind of wiped out and just you know we we're feeling better we don't have our energy back and he said go to h2bev and i want to show you this if you have the h2bev thing there mr emilio uh, h2bev is a okay we're going to find that there uh, h2bev is a, a, a drink there you go the, the drink is actually called hydro shot and if you're listening online, you can go to H and then the number two, the new, the digit two, Bev, bev.com, H2bev.com, and purchase a case. You cannot buy this drink anywhere else except online. Cannot buy it in the stores, any stores. It's zero calories. It is keto friendly. But the main thing about it, it's a nitric oxide boost. It, I, I drink one every morning, it's a small can. Very tasty, and they have uh, it increases your performance, your endurance, your focus. And I, I got tuned into this because my doctor friend and I call him to say we are so wiped out after the flu. So go online and you, you get when you're checking out, put Debbie G, D E B B I E G, is a promo code. When you're checking out, you get the drink delivered to your home. You get 10% off by using that promo code, and I get a small payment too. Hydro Shot, I love it, I drink it every morning. Other product, if you'd like to support this show, an easy way to do that is from MyPillow. And MyPillow, again, everyone's heard of MyPillow, MyPillow MyPillow.com. Again, there, I would not recommend any products unless I use them myself. But MyPillow.com is the website for all of these great products. My husband and I have bathrobes, slippers, towels, sheets. I I mean, it's just great quality products. Very, I mean, truly like American, American American-made, great quality products uh, and when you order there at MyPillow.com, at the checkout, it's, it asks if you have a promo code, put in, again, Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, Debbie G, at MyPillow.com, you get up to 66% off. So for some items, a big discount, some discount everything. I also get a small payment when you do that. That's the way I support this show. I thank you for doing that. Now, last story for the day. Um, and I really want to, um, oh, oh, before I forget, before I get last story for the day, I also want to encourage you, if you're listening Tomorrow on the show, I have Trevor Loudon joining me. Trevor Loudon was physically pulled off the stage in the middle of a presentation at a Baptist seminary presentation because he was talking about his film, Enemies Within the Church, which basically has to do with the idea that many of America's Christian churches have unknowingly, unwittingly been duped into falling into, following, embracing Marxist ideology, moving away from the truth of the Gospels, the Bible, what they're supposed to be based on. And his film is fabulous. He made this film. He's at this place speaking, and they physically yanked him off stage. We'll talk to him tomorrow. Okay, last topic. It's actually a huge topic, and I, I, I do have, even for our radio listeners, you got four more minutes. Don't go away. The so last topic for the day, uh, I want to talk about this uh, Billions to Ukraine and the disinformation war. I just want you to understand a little bit about the volume of money we are talking about. I've got I to make a visual somehow to even begin to capture what this kind of money is. But it ties into Ukraine, Russia, and why leftists are agitating people to get a, involved in the Ukraine. Ukraine, people use it, have often talked about the Ukraine. The innocent people being attacked by Russians are not responsible for this. We're talking about a wide swath of Ukrainian people, though, who are in government, in these NGOs, in these businesses, all wrapped up financially with the government. So in the Ukraine, Biden has now asked, you know, he gets pictures of what is occurring in the Ukraine, which is horrible with the Russians attacking. And so because we see those images, he said, oh, yes, we have to help Ukrainians. So Biden now has, he is seeking a Ukraine package of 33 billion, 33 B and boy billion for the Ukraine. And you can imagine he gets people on board, they, they see, well, look at these terrible images, we have to help understand how the money is designated in there. This is why we have such a problem with money laundering in the Ukraine. This is why you have all these leftists on fire to get into the Ukraine, defend them against Russia. It is because they're protecting their little money laundering. Uh, just uh, It's not little, it's a massive money laundering operation that has benefited millions of people. The money is not going to the Ukrainian people. Do not be duped. So he's trying to get uh, 33 billion. I want to explain 8.8 billion of that 33. 8.8 billion, be as in boy billion. You realize one billion is a thousand millions. I mean, I I can't do math in my head. I uh, but I will do this another time to stress to you how enormous these numbers are. People don't even comprehend them. The members of Congress don't even comprehend them. So here's the deal: 8.8 billion goes to the Department of States. Department of State to help with uh, Ukraine, supposedly. Uh, But then they go on to, and other affected countries, so this aid isn't really going to all the Ukraine. In fact, it goes to, among many other things, uh, democracy, anti-corruption, cybersecurity, countering disinformation. So our money is going to counter disinformation, as defined by whoever we give the money to, human rights, blah, blah, blah. And then on top of that, understand how the money works. We're going to subsidize farming in Europe farming in Europe through this aid to the Ukraine. We have our own farmers struggling. We have a food shortage coming to America, an inexplicable food court, uh, shortage. And yet we're sending $33 billion over to the Ukraine with other places. And among the main things, among this $8.8 billion, is to fund climate change initiatives. Another way the left gets are going, the climate change initiatives are part of the money that we'll, we'll lose, that's sending by taxpayers for climate change initiatives, which can be anything these crazy leftists think up. $500 million for small and medium-sized businesses. Mechanism to legalize defense contractor kickbacks. They can use this money to come back to America to buy things from defense contractors who are benefiting from the government spending this money. I'm going to tell you, i I'm about out of time for our radio listeners. We're going to have joining us in a few weeks in the show Pete Morocco. It will explain much more about how all of this USAID money works. Understand, Biden's asking for a fortune for the Ukraine. It's all there to assist the ongoing money laundering effort there. Radio listeners come back tomorrow at 3 p.m. and for the rest of you. I thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk. I didn't leave enough time to get into this story as much as I want, but I will I want to talk about how much is a billion, how much is 33 billion, and where it's actually permitted to go. Because in America, we think we cannot afford to, I don't know, finish the border wall, fund border security. We can't fund all sorts. And we have inner cities dissolving into ruin over mass homelessness. Uh, People allegedly don't have health care security. They can't get the health care they need. But we can spend this money to fund climate change nut job things all over the world, and to fund the ongoing Ukrainian money laundering mess. We'll talk more about this, but unless active and engaged citizens push back and just say, no, I can't see where this money is, so therefore we're not doing it, this stuff will continue to happen. Now I've got to tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started the show talking about 2,000 Mules, No Doubt Remains. D'Souza's documentary is game over to the debate. Election fraud changed the outcome of the 2020 election. Trump won. Biden lost full stop. D'Souza's documentary captures in video and with irrefutable data, election fraud in 2020 is a product of organized crime. They use that term, organized crime, sophisticated, purposeful evil, very plausible that the Supreme Court leak was timed to deflect attention from 2,000 Mules, the harsh reality Everyone who's honest and informed knows that U.S. election systems are fraudulent, rigged, untrustworthy, but the ruling class isn't going to lift a finger to fix them unless we make them. It's up to the American people to save their country and our voting system. On Rose, future, Roe versus Wade and the SCOTUS leak, curious timing, a February draft opinion leaked on May 2nd, you know, when uh, the Dinesh D'Souza film came out. Clearly a nefarious tactic to trigger protests and unrest and intimidate the Supreme Court. Restore the Democrats' 2022 election prospects with suburban women. I know they're thinking this. And defer 2022 elections due to protests. You think they wouldn't, if we have enough protests like we did in 2020, they would use this as an excuse. to have to all mail in ballots again. Too much danger out there. Maybe a massive miscalculation by the left. America is not 50-50 on abortion. I think it's more like 70-30 pro-life. Americans are jaded from being played. Racist, anti-gay, anti-woman accusations ring hollow. Americans are sick of being labeled and accused by the left. Protests will look bought and paid for, and not genuine. Reality: Roe was never constitutionally sound, and overturning Roe would not ban abortion; just moves abortion issues back to state legislatures, where they should have been handled from the beginning. And we talked about our last one: Durham surrounding Hillary HRC, Hillary Rodham Clinton, uh, HRC very likely to be forced to turnover incriminating documents to a judge. The documents were not attorney-client privileged communications. They're about her campaign, buying OPPO research, and planting the Russia collusion hoax story in the media. Durham's court filings indicate essentially complete knowledge of the recall-level actions of the HRC campaign and its consultants and advisors. Only remaining questions are, what charges will Durham actually bring? Will he charge HRC? Mark Elias? Or stop at the underlings? I hope he goes all the way up. Will he eventually bring charges against government officials who participated or looked the other way in the massive Trump-Russia collusion hoax? Will Merrick Garland shut Durham down You know I think he'd like to. I think he won't dare, but that is a huge question. The left knows how explosive Durham's actions could be. Expect more distractions. And finally, on Billions, the Ukraine and the disinformation war. The Ukraine is not separate and distinct from the shutdown of the U.S. energy sector, depletion of strategic petroleum reserves, depletion of U.S. military, through vaccine mandates, and emasculation of the entire um, military, destruction of U.S. middle class through COVID policy, open overrun border, spending at funny money levels, runaway inflation, supply chain problems, food shortages, CRT and trans indoctrination, vaccine safe and effective fraud. Everything the Biden administration is doing is against the interests of the American people, a deeply cynical, Jaundice eye is warranted on every aspect of Ukraine support. And one more point on the Ukraine. If George Soros and Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama are all on the side of pushing America to support Ukraine more and more strongly, I'm against it. Because when those kind of people, those anti-American Marxists, are on the side of pushing something, right-thinking Americans, Need to be on the other side. My friends, my name is Debbie George Addis. This is America Can We Talk. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America Can We Talk about America.